Okay, so we're live. What's happening, girls and boys? Welcome back to the Chase Greatness podcast. Uh, today is it's, it's pretty pretty cool for me, to be honest. It's I've been wanting to have this guest come on the podcast for a while now, and uh, it just so happens that in the midst of what the fuck is going on in the world with the quarantine and lockdown, everybody seems to have a little bit more time on their hands, which is a good thing for me because I get to speak to uh, a lot of people that I had or hadn't or wouldn't have spoken for in a long, long time. And uh, yeah, like, so Chris uh, Bailey, if you don't know Chris, if you don't know him, you've probably been, you probably are living under a fucking rock, to be honest. Uh, Chris is most likely the world's number one fitness photographer. Um, I think that's even a, a heading on your, in your Instagram, right? World's number uh, one. Uh, that's the uh, UK's. Um, I've been working I'm, with marketing. I've been working with a marketing company recently and, they, uh, part of that, they took over my Instagram for a while, um, and uh, I, t- I just turned it on one day and noticed that they'd put that up there. <laughs> I'd beg to differ. I'd say that you're the world's, like, without trying to blow too much smoke up your ass. And for those, for those of you who are listening to this, um, I don't know, I, probably, I might likely put this uh, on a platform where the video format's on there as well. But for those of you who are listening to this, um, I'm actually wearing this bandana in homage to, to Chris because <laughs> when I when I see him on his Instagram all the time, it's it's almost like you're out in in, in all these nice hot warm countries like LA and you're just uh, you're just chilling there with your bandana on. And you're, and you're, that, no, <laughs> I know. Actually, funny enough, that's what made me kind of reach out to you uh, like a week or so ago is because uh, the post that you put on your Instagram, which by the way, like I. I um, like all of your images that you put out are fucking insane. If, you, if anyone who's listening to this who doesn't uh, follow Chris who, or who doesn't know Chris, like, please, if you're in the industry, go and check him out because honestly, without blowing too much smoke up this guy's ass, he's fucking insane. Probably one of the best photographers that I've ever seen. But uh, it was about a week or so that you posted um, an image which actually wasn't fitness related at all. It was an image of you sitting on a plane and you were looking out the window. And I was on like, my, on my personal, uh, yeah, 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 on your personal account. And I was yeah. like, that, like, for me, those sort of images are the ones that I find the most attractive or the most appealing to, to my eye, because it says in a thousand words. I mean, the 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 caption that you put underneath it was insane as well, but it it spoke to me in, on so many different levels. Like, because I just found myself almost immersed and imagining myself to be in that same position as you like just staring out a window like almost daydreaming <laughs> uh, on the way to fucking LA because you're going to enjoy think, some uh, sun, sunshine it was I had my I think we was going to Valencia on that shoot and I had my my assistant manage to blank the seat in front of me uh, and I think it was him that turned turned around and took it uh, oh really because I, I thought I originally thought that, that was you taking it like on a self-timer or you just no, t- you just pinging off a shot I think I'd be too uh, I'd be too shy to do something like that on a plane. Um, yeah, I'm sure he snapped it. I can't remember actually. I found it on my phone the other day. I was looking through. I'm just rebuilding my website right now. And yeah. I was just trying to find content of me to put on there. Mm. But yeah, to me that it, it comes across a little bit like uh, music video. Yeah, for sure. Deep, Definitely. There out the window. And yeah, yeah. You could almost part. imagine it as you're like a character in a movie who's like a, a rock star who's looking out of the window for inspiration whilst holding onto a notebook writing down lyrics to a song yeah, yeah. to like well, the world's well, number one next next best hit 
<laughs> no, it's really good. And that's kind of the reason why, well, it's, it, 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 for one, it popped up on my Instagram feed and I was like, fucking hell, like this dude, this dude is insane anyway. And it'd be awesome to get him on and, and like chat to him and stuff. So yeah, if you guys don't know him, please go check out, um, check out his Instagram page for sure. Um, you've been blessed and like, well, I say blessed, but you've, you've, uh, you've been privileged enough to work with some high level guys and girls in the fitness industry. Um, like just talk us briefly through that because you, you, you've done shoots for the likes of like the Arnold classic, the Olympia, you shot some with some big name characters in this industry. Um, like just give for anyone who has, who is listening to this, who, who does have an interest in fitness or does have an interest in media and photography in general and doesn't know who you are, just give us a brief kind of intro in, into Chris Bailey and, and what you're all about and what got you into it in the first place. Yeah, <clears throat> it's quite a long story, but um, basically... The longer, when, the, longer uh, the better. <laughs> I, love, I love a good story. So when, um, growing up, uh, about the, the age of eight, I started playing ice hockey. Um, so that was kind of my ultimate dream to be a professional ice hockey player. Um, so I made my way through the ranks of um, my local hockey teams up in uh, just outside of Hull, East Yorkshire. Um, so I made, I made my way through that. Um, started, what was it? I played for England under 12s. Then it was Great Britain under 14s, Great Britain under 16s. Um, and then when I was 16, I finished my GCSEs. I moved to Canada to, actually I went out to Canada for a training camp, but got scouted um, by quite a few teams on this camp. So I ended up signing for a team in Canada and moved out there. Um, I always say I went out there a boy and came back a man. Um, because I just sort of learned so much and um, just away from the family and everything. So I played out there for uh, for a year, and then I came back to play for Great Britain in the World Championships. Uh, when I came back from from there, the plan was to go back again, uh, but I got offered a, a a contract with a team actually in Basingstoke. That was my first professional team, so I went down to play for them. But obviously, we were still pretty young back then, so it was I think it was sixteen, seventeen. Or 17 year old so the team kind of said you know you can't just sit on your ass all day because we was only training on the evenings and playing on the weekends so they said you you've because you're young you've got to do something so they kind of pushed us down the route um college and back then all i wanted to do was be a graphic designer the, the only thing i was interested in was art um and the only course that i could get on back then was media design it was a gmvq so it was Design, film production, photography, and journalism, I think. Um, so the first week on that course, we were just given, um, I think it was like an old Minolta SLR, told to go out into town, fire off a load of shots on this film, and then come back, and then they showed us how to develop the film and take it into the dark room and do your own prints. And it was that that got me hooked, really. Um, so I was just absolutely fully endorsed in photography at that point. Um, so following that, I signed for another team the year after. Um, I jumped on another college course, which was colour photography, but it was pretty much covering everything that 
we'd already done the previous year, so that didn't last long. I think I, I quit after about three months. I just kind of carried on doing my own thing. It took a little bit of a dip, but then probably two or three years down the line, um, that was sort of when digital was developing. And I think I always say that I kind of fell into it really well because I'd done all these years of learning how to take photographs um, with film and developing film in the darkroom and all this. So I'd learned how to use a camera properly. And then when it came to digital, I'd already been learning Photoshop for the design side of things. So they kind of fell in together really well. I think I had a little bit of an advantage starting off there. And that just sort of sparked the passion again. So I carried on playing hockey up until um, I think it was 2004 professionally. And at that point, I kind of picked up a few commercial clients in photography. Um, and then I think it was just that year I was in negotiations with another team to carry on playing and they were they were budging on what they had to pay me and I think I was just trying to be a bit of a hard ass and was like yeah I don't care I'm not taking that I'm not accepting that so that was the year I just kind of hung the skates up and um really put everything into photography um so I did that for a good four years building up my commercial clients and then that probably leads us to about 2008 when we had the recession and with the recession, everybody cut the marketing budgets and it was almost like back to square one. Um, so with a bit of money that I'd saved, I decided to kind of switch angles um, and open like a portrait studio. So that was kind of my first studio. I opened it right in the middle of the recession, which might not have been the smartest thing, but I started pushing more towards weddings and portraits, things like that. Uh, which kind of served a purpose for a while. Um, I, that was probably about two years doing that while I was still building the commercial clients back up. Um, and then one day I got a job through from PhD Nutrition because they they originated from Hull as well, which is uh, where I was from and where my studio was. So I did a couple of jobs for them, and they they really liked the work. And then. Um, the next client I think I had was Project AD, Joe Binley. Um, he booked me for a few shoots. And it kind of started building up off the back of that. And then eventually one day Muscle and Fitness um, asked me to do a shoot for them. And then they asked me to do another shoot for them. And then I think it was like my third or fourth shoot, I was asked to shoot Ronnie Coleman. Wow. <laughs> kind of like, it was crazy for me. Um, were you were you into fitness at this at this point? I think the advantage with that one was that um, because of my background as an ice hockey player, so I, right. I, I've been I've been in the gym, um, you know, three four times a week since I was sixteen year old. So I kind of knew my way around a gym really well, um, and just just knew what I like I liked. Um, so I, yeah, I think I had a bit of a benefit there. Yeah. Um, it's just it, it comes down to experience at the end of the day but then from from that point on um i think i i can't remember what year it'll have been but i got called into the muscle and fitness flex offices when they had them at that time down in harrogate and 
uh, they basically said we love what was it? I think it was John Plummer, uh, the editor, and uh, Martin Heifetz, who was the, uh, the managing director, I think, of UK and Europe. Because at that time they were producing twelve magazines, so they were producing Muscle and Fitness and Flex, but they were producing it for all of Europe, pretty much Australia. Um, I, I can't remember the countries. I think it was twelve countries they were producing from the offices. Um, so they basically said it was the first time that our designer has had has has designed three different opening page layouts and couldn't decide on his favourite. So he was keen to carry on using you. Um, so they, they basically said if if you're okay with it, we'll give you first refusal on all British content. How did that make you feel? It was amazing. Yeah, it was like such a um, such a motivational boost for me um, mm. because up until then I, I didn't really have any feedback on my work other than the fact that people kept rebooking me right so that was just kind of a huge accolade i mean you get a lot of people who you know award-winning photographers etc but i've never won an award in my life um so do you think um do you think that's because the majority of the time when you're taking an image you're not portraying it. You're, it is obviously your work, right? It's obviously you, it's your creative mind that's setting up that image to be able to take it in the first place. But because you're not the star in that image, do you think that that plays a, a role in, in the fact that the person who's actually in the image will most likely get more of the, the fame or the, or the um, kind of attraction towards them rather than the actual photographer themselves? Yeah, I mean, that... That it, that's kind of the way that I've always worked, but the the thing these days as well. And I, I watched, I was watching a YouTube video the other day. Um, I can't remember where it was, but they were talking about photographers now. And um, when a lot of these big brands book photographers these days, they they kind of the the more inclined to book photographers who've got like a huge following. So you, you kind of get a lot of creators who are now influencers or the other way around influencers who've become creators. Yeah. Um, so with a lot of companies, you'll find like, you know, like Sam Calder, like companies uh, will book him not only because his, his work's incredible, but also if he puts it out on his platform, you know, they, they oh, yeah. kind of get it one, aren't they? Yeah. So I it's think un it's understandable for sure from a, from a business perspective or from, yeah, from, uh, yeah. more than ever, the actual artist is under the limelight just as much as the, uh, uh, the, um, the person who's front. Yeah. The person who's front. Yeah, I guess that's because majority of the time nowadays, well, social media plays such a massive role, right? Social media is almost like bursting at the seams of people that want to kind of be the next big thing whether that be in fitness or whether that be in as a creator or just in general like everybody kind of wants to wants to put themselves out there and have people kind of not necessarily look at them and be the be the star of the show but more so if you are a creator if you are a photographer or a videographer or if you have that creative mind it's it's kind of doing yourself a disjustice if you're kind of like sitting on the sitting on the fences taking all these images for all these guys and girls and then not actually getting uh, the recognition that I feel a lot of these guys deserve. So I think it's, I think it's a good thing. It's a, it's a really good thing. Um, you said before about how 
you started off and you studied in in photography or graphic design how, how, how much do you think that that plays a big role in like obviously it's played a role in where you are today but for anybody who's who's kind of hasn't gone down that route because for me like I, ha- I, ne- I never went down the route of studying anything like that in in, in school or, or afterwards in college or anything like that and do you think it plays a massive role I don't think it's important at all really if if I was to go back again and do it I mean it was great I think it's different these days like in them days because because I was learning how to develop film and how to um, sort of um, go hands-on printing in the dark room. Mm. I think that's an entirely different thing because you need, you kind of need a a tutor to to show you physically how to do it. Whereas these days it's, you know, like anything to do with creativeness, it can Mm. be done online. Everything's digital. So it's kind of all, within the same platform. Um, do you miss that style of photography though? I do. Um, and I've got actually, um, I've got it up here this, So this was not this exact one, but that was my first ever camera. The Nikon oh, SM2. Yeah. Um, with a 50 mil 1.4 I think, lens. What year was this? So this was 90, I mean, it'll have been an old camera then, but this was back in 97. Yeah. So my parents bought me this exact same camera um, and it was quite expensive actually. And that was, that was kind of my first camera, but obviously as, as creators, when you're starting off, you know, to, to, to upgrade your your shit, you've got to sell your old shit. One thing that I'll always regret doing is selling that very first camera because really? it's got the sentimental value. Yeah. But um, yeah, so probably ten years down the line or whatever, I, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'll never get that same one back, but I'm gonna buy an identical one. So. What was it like to take again. photos with it? What was it like to take photos with it? It's awesome. It's yeah. Uh, yeah it, it's I mean. If it's for personal projects, it's great because it's just it's manual focus and you know it's just the old wind it on click the the these original dials that you know like your ISO and everything that they've gone back to these days. So yeah, it's it's great little tool to be taking around and shooting with. And every now and then I'll take it with me on a trip and uh, fire a couple of rolls off. And but it's I've got a bag of films somewhere. I think it's at the studio, but. A bag of film which I've, I've not had developed so really keep you saying say, yeah well you should save it save it for yeah. for like uh for, well, for, fair, for a rainy might, day a lot of it goes off doesn't it so oh yeah this is true to be honest yeah that's true um in regards to uh, like equipment like a question that i get a lot of the time on my social media when i was when i put out some content whether it be an image or whether it be video a lot of the time i'll have people direct message me and ask me what equipment I use or what setup I use. Um, or a lot of the time I'll actually get asked what is the best camera to buy or what's the, what's a good camera to buy to start off with. Um, like how is it, how important is equipment to you? Like what equipment do you use? What software do you use? And have you always stuck with the same brand or have you kind of chopped and changed and almost found something and a style that you like right now? 
Yeah, I think you play around. I think as you develop your style, you, you work out what kit suits that style. Um, but when, I, when I was filming, like I just showed you there, my first camera was Nikon. When I switched, um, when I switched to like an auto film camera, it was a, I switched to Canon. Um, just because there was a photographer that I was from my hometown. He was, he had a studio back then and <clears throat> he, um, he was using Canon and I went down to his one day and he showed me how his all work and everything. So kind of switched over to Canon and stayed with Canon ever since. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, if, if I look back on all the money that I wasted on kit that I didn't need, um, and you know, stuff that, I, I mean, a lot of stuff you, you buy, you buy it, when you're starting off, you buy a lot of secondhand stuff, so you don't really lose a huge amount of money on it. Mm. But yeah, there was there was a good few years where I was just buying stuff and then shooting with it and then being like, nah, I don't really like that and selling it. And you might have wasted a few quid, but I think that's kind of where you find your comfort zone in what you like using. So yeah. um, I bought tons and tons of lenses over the years and I probably only used two or three of them ever. Um, yeah. I think it's one of those things like when I, when I get asked that question a lot of the time, I kind of will then take a brief look at these guys or girls pages and I'll be like, well, like, here's the thing. Like it, it doesn't necessarily, for me, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're trying to like build, I don't know, a platform like on your Instagram or maybe you want to start a YouTube channel or something like that. It doesn't really matter so much in the beginning stages. I feel about how good your stuff looks. Like it obviously plays a role. And right now we're in a time where like to be able to access a 4G, uh, sorry, a 4K camera that, that shoots in, in that level for like, you could probably pick one up for well under a grand. Like yeah. to be able to do that now is just fucking ridiculous. And yeah. I, so I understand it. I understand why people want their stuff or their shit that they're putting out there to look the best or look similar to other people's but it's not really in general for me it's not really the quality of what you're putting out there it's the actual content in the first place and like yeah. you can take a fucking good image with an iphone like it's never going to be it's never going to be a professional image that comes out of a fucking camera but at the end of the day you can take a, dis a decent one and for 99 percent of the population who don't have an understanding of photography or don't really know the difference between anything they probably won't know the difference anyway. If you was to put underneath an iPhone image, if you was to take a, an image on an, I, on an iPhone and pull it into Photoshop and tweak it around and make it look fucking nice and pretty, 99% of the people who put it out there to show wouldn't know whether it came out of an iPhone or, or a DSLR camera. You know, so. this is, this is <laughs> when I when I shoot in the studio, pretty much every shoot I'll do with like a 50, I think it's 53 megapixel camera, and I'd say that maybe 70% of those images don't go any further than Instagram. Exactly. And people don't have an understanding that, that the Instagram will compress those images down to fucking nothing, which for a creator, for a photographer, it's got to be fucking frustrating because when you pull that image up on like a, on a, on a high res, like uh, computer or a high res screen and you can zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and see it's literally every single fucking pimple, or every single, uh, like imperfection on someone's face and then you put it on Instagram it's kind of like oh man fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you think 
does that annoy you? Is that something that that, that kind it's of frustrates you? I mean, I I had the I had the privilege of seeing my work in a lot of magazines over the okay. years, and that was just so rewarding. Going to a shop and picking up a magazine and seeing your pictures in print, especially like when you're when I was traveling around the US, working in the US, and you're seeing it on the shelves out there. That was massively rewarding, but now it's just it just it's everything's online. Or every now and then, you know, you'll see a, a decent sized print. Um, yeah. But it's I, I I go to a lot of when I can. I'll go to a lot of galleries, and especially if like some of my favorite photographers are have, have got um, a gallery on somewhere or an exhibition on, I'll go there and I'll see the work blown up huge and real nice frames and everything. And I think, right, I'm going to really get some stuff printed this year. I'm really going to get some stuff done. But then, because you're shooting so much, you just, you kind of get your favourites and you think, right, I'm going to get that printed up. And then you you get another favourite and you think, oh, well, I don't like that one as much anymore. (laughs) I think maybe in this kind of quarantine, well, actually, I'm kind of doing it now. I'm going through... A lot of a lot of my work to put on my website. I'm trying to cull it down and be really um, strict with it all. Yeah, I think off the back of this, I'll have a better idea of what what work of mine that I really do like, and maybe make the effort to get some of it printed up quite nice for the studio because I've got a lot of wall space <clears throat> in the studio to cover. So, where where do you take inspiration from? You say that you go to museums or you go to like art exhibitions and things like that. But where, where do you pull your inspiration from? Because as a creator, um, like I've only been in this realm for the best part of like, prof- like I'd say professionally, but I've been doing it as earning a living from it for the be- for probably only around about two years now. But for someone like yourself, who's been in the game for, for as long as how you, as long as you've been in it, like where do you pull that from? Because for me, for for a creator, like I, I sometimes struggle and, and I kind of relate it to what you would class as writer's block for a writer where sometimes I'll have ideas and things will flow and I'll, I'll like everything will just come to straight into the forefront of my mind. But then there's other times where I'm literally just blank and I have no creativity whatsoever. So where do you find yeah. you pull your creativeness from? I think just through, through everything really like the, the, the photographers that I look up to are all kind of fashion photographers or celebrity portrait photographers. Right. So I kind of get a little bit of inspiration from them. Um, I've got a few favorite photographers that I'll follow online um, who I'll, I'll dig inspiration from, but again, it's, you know, there's, there's only two, two or three fitness photographers that are really kind of look up to. Um, So in terms of that, you you kind of just got to take it from different angles. So with the fashion stuff, you know, you might just be taking lighting or color, um, color grading from them and thinking, right, how can I apply that to a gym shoe or how can I apply that to a fitness model? Um, and then just, you know, there's that many creators out there now that just Instagram. So, um, it's just such a good platform to just save stuff, especially with your little save button there. Yeah. I find that all the time. Different folders. So you can have a folder for lighting. You might have a folder for, posing a folder for um like color grading things like that so yeah. it's just kind of it i think it happens to every creator you 
you do it at the start and you know you'll you'll find your favorite photographers and you'll start copying what they do to an extent but then you'll find another photographer that you like so you kind of put their inspiration in there as well and in the end it just sort of develops into a hopefully a new style which you can call your own what do you think is if if you if you was to take if you could only take an image of one thing for the rest of your life and you couldn't take an image of anything else what what would that be because i think i i spoke with you before when we first met about um about how 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 cool it is that you are such uh an inspirational photographer in your field of of, of fitness right mm-hmm. but at the end of the day like you're confined to one what it is that the client wants and two you're confined to that kind of realm so does that become uh, monotonous for you or is there like if you could if in an ideal world if you if money wasn't an, an option if you could just take images of one thing and you could make that one thing look as pretty as possible what would that one thing be i think it's always going to be people now um if you'd, if you'd have asked me three, four years ago, um, I would have said I'd be a travel photographer. Okay. Um, just travel the world. But because I've got a little boy now, um, I wouldn't be able to leave the country for that prolonged yep. times. Um, so I think I think for me, it'd be, um, it'd always be people, whether it was in the fitness industry or portrait, um, I just like being creative, especially in a studio space when you've got full control right. uh, of the environment. But you, you do also get bored being in a studio all the time. So it's just having that mix. So I'd probably say, you know, I did, my ideal job would be sort of like a high-end portrait celebrity photographer where right. you're still right. going to see work get sent all over the place, all over magazines for as long as they're gonna continue yeah but yeah somebody like there's, there's a photographer that i followed for a long long time called um it's called randall slavin okay and he's uh he's based in la and I, th- I just think his portrait work is just phenomenal um and the story behind him as well i think i can't remember where i read it i think it was in a magazine years ago but um from what I remember, he was he was working in a garage in LA, and he was just working on ca- <laughs> working on cars all the time. And he, he said that I remember there was a photo- photography studio across the road, and I just saw girls going in and out of there all day, every day. And I thought I've got to find out what like what this guy's doing. So I think he went across there one day and spoke to the, the photographer and. Like, I can work for you, and it was something along those lines. And he just gave him a job, so he quit his job as a mechanic and just went and assisted this photographer. That's a pretty cool story. And then just living in LA, I think he he was really good friends with Charlize Theron. Um, okay. So he kind of got on the celebrity circuit through that, and now um, he just shoots celebrities for Iron magazines and. That's a pretty cool job. Spoke to him, yeah, we, was, uh, we spoke to him once and we were just going to um, go meet uh, for dinner in LA once when I was there, but it, it, didn't, it didn't work out. But yeah, I think he's got the ideal job. 
yeah just which is that that analogy that i have now of this this young dude just seeing all of these hot chicks like going in and out of a building <laughs> and then him being like huh like, what the fuck's going on i want a bit of that. <laughs> it's hilarious yeah. <laughs> definitely um what what's the, what software do you use like you you and what uh what actual camera setup do you have at the moment um so my, still my main body is a canon 5ds yeah um which is it's probably about four years old now i think it, it's funny actually because i did i did a shutter count on it the other week um because they say that you're the shutter count on a canon slr is generally good for about one hundred and fifty thousand actuations like pictures yeah, yeah. technically um, and then things can start going wrong with them. So just out of interest the other day, I did, uh, I plugged it into the software and it came up with 500,000. Oh, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> time, time to upgrade. <laughs> yeah. So, um, obviously I've got backups, but, um, I thought when it comes to selling this, like nobody's going to want it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, they might. You might be surprised. There might be someone out there who'll be like, "Yeah, I'll buy it off of you and just put it in a like a fucking case and have it on the, <laughs> have it, have it on the wall." I even do that myself. Yeah, yeah, um, you should do for sure. And then I've what just bought. You... Uh, yeah, go on, carry on. I've just bought a uh, EOS EOS R. I think it is the new okay. one. Nice. I kind of like. I, I bought that just um, as another backup, but. Um, just because it seems that's the way the industry's going now in mirrorless and it, it doesn't look like they're going to bring out a new version of the Canon that I'm already using. So no. I think we're going to all eventually have to sort of move into the mirrorless scene. So yeah. I kind of bought that as a, as a way of breaking my way into it. I do actually, I, I like it quite a lot actually. Really? There's so, a clear, I, I feel that there's a clear, a clear, dif a clear difference between the between the mirror, mirrorless cameras like for sure like i shoot i shoot with a sony so yeah and you see so many people nowadays shooting with a sony every creator's got um, a sony i like canon as the the biggest the highest selling slr yeah um so they're kind of market leaders these days but yeah i mean i i like the look of it i, I think it gives this kind of 3d pop almost that you don't tend to get um but i think it's each their own isn't it there's always going to be people out there that's like stubborn and and in and in their own ways and they just they, they like the look of one thing so they just want to stick with it for the well for the me rest of their life. I, prefer the, I prefer the look of a medium format and if i yeah. could shoot in format all the time i definitely would um right like i had that phase one for a while um which the, the image quality is just phenomenal it's so much better than anything i've ever shot with but it's just so slow really um, yeah it's just so slow like if it was just studio photography you know i mean that's kind of what they're built for anyways mm. uh, but yeah and you're also looking at like a twenty-five thousand pound price tag on it so it's yeah when you go into them realms you're just like i remember when i first bought when i bought my first like what I thought at the time was an expensive camera setup, and I was I was walking around the shop at the time, and I was like, right, I've got this amount of money. Like, what can I buy? And I had a look at something, and I remember looking at this like this one lens alone, 
and it was like close to fucking 10 grand. I'm like, what? Like, how? Like, how the fuck am I, how am I going to afford to buy or to get to this level? Because when you start, when you start moving up the ladder, it's kind of like the, the yeah. money that you can spend on these pieces of equipment. It's is like anything in life, it? you're always, you're searching for that 1%. So when you get to a certain level, it's like, right, how can I push the boundaries just that little bit more? And then that's when you kind of get into these things. Um, so for me, I'd I'd always pick a good lens over an expensive body. Yeah, um, I think that's where you're going to get your real image quality. And at the end of the day, you don't need you know 50, 100, 150 megapixel camera. Nice. Where your image is going, unless you're shooting for billboards, you you don't need that. The lenses so, don't don't tend to depreciate either. I find the lenses yeah. don't tend to depreciate half as much. While the cameras, obviously, they like you brought up and mentioned before, um, over time they kind of uh, don't give you the kind of performance as what they should do or what they did when they first came out of the box. But the, they so they depreciate a lot more. Whereas the lenses, I find if you find a good lens uh, yeah. and you can hold on to it and take care of it, like you'll always be able to get your money back on it i guess we'll trade it in for something for something similar yeah a lot of my lenses because i've stuck with canon for so long like i've had most of my lenses for six seven eight years um right the, the most recent one that i bought was the i, I used to use the canon 85 1.2 which was mm -hmm. a great portrait lens but it was really slow um so I got rid of that in the end and bought the, I switched to, it's my first Sigma lens in about 10 years. But I tried that and it was 105mm 1.4. Okay. And I love that to bits. Really, really. I didn't yeah. think I could go back to anything. I love Sigma. I got yeah. four, uh, sorry, three Sigma lenses. I got the, and they're all art, the art lens. Yeah, uh, the mac art macros, but they're they're fucking insane. Like the sharpness that you can get from them is just, I feel it's just different different level altogether. Yeah. You um you currently work out of your studio in Nottingham, and for anybody who hasn't seen it, like I had the pleasure of going there. I actually had the pleasure of going there twice, and I remember when I first went there, I like I turned up to this old kind of like rusty, almost like workyard, and I was like, huh there's a studio here and then i remember you came out and and you you took us through and the the more you go into it the more you kind of like wind up those stairs and then you get to the top and then you like almost you open that door and and you're just i was just completely and utterly shocked i think i was even my jaw hit the floor i was kind of like huh like how how the fuck is this <laughs> in here like from the outside it just looks like the bare bones of a shell and then you walk inside and like the analogy is that I think you gave is like the, the bat cave because yeah. it's, 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 it's like a fully functioning gym in there and you, you, you designed that yourself, right? Yeah. 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 So it, it would, it had been a plan for about two or three years. Um, when I actually started working with Watson gym equipment and doing little bits and bobs for them. And I did, I said to Simon back, back then, I think the first ever shoot that I did was, uh, Simon Watson, I said, you know, what would it cost to build out a little mini gym? Because in two years' time, the plan is to open my own. Um, so I kind of been planning for that long, and then it just 
once once I'd had trip my little boy, um, I didn't want to be traveling as much, and I just I think one day I actually sat down and worked out like I was spending about twenty hours a week on the motorway, just driving from gym to gym and mm. moving around the country, and I thought I just get it. I've been doing this for too long now. Now's the time. So I I always knew that it'd be roughly Nottingham area that I'd be setting somewhere up because I wanted it to be in the middle of the country. Um, and once I started looking, like I committed to looking, I think it was, I, I looked on right move and a couple of other places, couldn't find anywhere. And then I went on Gumtree and I just turned on the notifications for commercial units in Nottingham. And I think two days later it came up and I went down and looked at it. <clears throat> um, and I think a week, week or two later, I signed the contract for it because um, I walked in there and it was just everything that I'd had like on my vision board. Right. And as soon as I walked in, like I knew where everything was going. I planned all the kit out already, and it was like, right, that's going there, that's going there, that's going there. And um, so yeah, so it, it is. It's a it's a funny little area, and um, I've kind of left it that way because I don't want to draw attention to what it is, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but um, I also like the fact that people show up and they're like, mm, this is a bit dodgy. And then they walk in and it's like, wow. Actually, of... funny enough, before, before, uh, before I jumped on this podcast, I had a little brief look over your, uh, your YouTube and there was uh, a video on there with uh, uh, Michelle Lewis. Is it Michelle Lewis or Michelle Lewin? Lewin, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's outside your studio, right? No, no. That, is it not? Because yeah. I thought that was outside. It looks very similar to outside your studio. Yeah, it does a bit, actually. Yeah, no. Um, that was um, at the Olympia in London. The Olympia Hall. Oh, okay. So oh, that okay. was when there was an expo called Fitcom. Okay. So we'd, uh, we, had to, we had, I think we had two hours to shoot with Michelle. Um, obviously, she's quite high profile. So it was, like, very strict on what we could do. So we managed to get, like that little that was just around the back of the olympia hall mm. um so we did a little bit there and then um uh luckily i've, I've i know nick mitchell pretty well yeah. and he um he he was um he was very good and shut down uh up mayfair for a few hours for us to go and shoot there so nice uh, you were at um you were at the arnold's right yeah what yeah, was it the, like what was it like being that obviously <coughs> it, was, kind of it didn't really affect me too much because right. I didn't I never I, I always try to avoid the expo because it's just chaotic mm. um, was the actual show itself as uh, was it as atmospheric as what it usually is or was there this was there it, kind yeah, of like this the, the, the Friday evening and the Saturday evening was just the same as normal so the spectators right. were allowed in for that so you still got the atmosphere um mm. But the, the pre-judging on the Friday and the Saturday, it was just officials and photographers only, I think. Okay. So it was quiet, but I didn't really notice it too much because usually you're you're concentrating on what you're doing and getting that shot. So you don't really hear the background noise. But um, I mean, the, the Arnold and the Olympia, they're both such motivational shows. Um, I think even if I wasn't working, I'd probably still go just because it's... It's such a great place to network with people, and um, it's 
it's just very motivational for anybody in the fitness industry. Um, yeah. I kind of get, it's one of those things I get frustrated with expos a lot of the time, but I guess it's because of that. Uh, the main, the main purpose of the expo is to have as many people in there as possible. Yeah. Um, it yeah. kind of puts me off of them a little bit, but from a networking perspective, like, yeah, like everybody's there in the same place and at the same yeah. time, like it'd be pretty crazy not to, not to take advantage of that. I think. I think once Where, you where's the, it's like they're, they're all the same. I, I, I was, I can't remember. I was speaking to, I was speaking to somebody at the Dubai muscle show last year. It was like Brandon Curry or somebody. And like they said, um, you know, once you're inside an expo, you could be anywhere in the world because they're just all the same. Yeah, it's very true. Very, People very true. Same. You know, they're all laid out the same. It's like once you're inside, you could literally be anywhere in the world. I do find though, because uh, I do find, like I went to the Arnold Expo, not last year, but the year, uh, sorry, not this year, but last, last year, sorry. And um, the atmosphere there was different. Like compare if you was to compare that to, to the likes of like body power in the UK, because I think it's America and because America's are so over the top and so dramatic and they just want everybody to be like looking at them at, at once. It, it felt it felt a lot more energetic um, yeah. there. But yeah, I understand that completely. Like once you've been to one, like you've been to them all, I guess it's all just the same thing. Just keep completely just rolling rolling out. Like one after the Only other. Only when you on the expos as well, and everybody's got a, a creator with them. <laughs> yeah, you What's see that now. Like, yeah. like all these kids that that they're not like they're just starting, like the wannabe influencers. So they're walking yeah. around with a videographer, and mm. so I think it's kind of a good thing. Like it's it 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 part partly like part of part of me cringes a little bit at it, but the other part of me is like, you know what, like. If you, if if I was a young teenager in this day and age, it's almost like the, it's almost like you know when you hear old, older people being like, "Oh, I wouldn't be doing that back in my day." Like you wouldn't find me doing that. Like we was out in the fields, we were running around playing with fucking toy wooden guns and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But if you were a fucking kid in this day and age, you would be doing exactly the same thing. You'd be stuck on a fucking Xbox or a PlayStation, or you would be doing exactly what these kids are doing. So part of me feels a little bit envious. Some of these kids, like whether they're fitness influencers or gamers or, you know, like even young kids, like just um, opening and playing with toys on YouTube, like they're making a fortune. It's fucking mental. There's no wonder people are looking up to them and going, right, I want to, I want to be one of these. I want to be a creator. I want to be a YouTube um, superstar. It's funny. Yeah, I saw I saw a Gary V sketch on Instagram. I think it was either this morning or yesterday, and he was talking with a fucking nine-year-old kid. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like giving business advice to a nine-year-old kid for fucking TikTok. I'm like, where the fuck is this world going? Like, honestly, craziness. But it just goes to show you, like, a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of the time will go on about how. Um, how hard it is to to kind of make money or or be someone in this industry, but the platforms are there. Like it's it's ready to fucking go. Like just fucking it's go there. It's just, it depends. Like um, I'm doing an, uh, I'm writing a new ebook at the minute. I'm putting together with interviewing a, a bunch of different people, and um, one of the uh, one of the chapters is going to be based on how to get sponsorship within the industry. Okay. So obviously, I went to the top who. Like who does everybody want to be sponsored by? And it's obviously Gymshark. Mm. 
so I sat down with Noel Mack um, for, um, for probably about an hour, um, just chatting about what they look for in the industry. And, you know, and it's like he said, you know, we get inboxes and tags and everything you can think of on social media of people. And you look through the profile and they're just trying to be the next Ryan Terry or they're trying to be the next Steve Cook. And they're tagging us thinking that we're going to sponsor them, but we've already got Steve Cook and we've already got Ryan Terry. So why would we? So it's all about, you know, it's great trying to be the next big thing, but you've got to be yourself. You've got to be who you are. And, you know, nobody's going to take on a copycat. Um, I think that's where the industry is kind of saturated or it's gotten to the point where it's kind of being saturated because it's not necessarily everybody is in this industry for themselves. They're in it because they take inspiration from other people, but more along the lines of they actually want to kind of be that person. I think that's yeah. where social media is, is detrimental because it portrays an image that people want to be that person. Like they see somebody living the dream. They see somebody driving the cars or, or having fun, like majority of the time training and living their fucking best life. And that's all they want. But at the end of the day, I think I think a lot of people they misunderstand like the backbone of it, and they miss they misunderstand that. Say, for instance, if you have a young kid who wants to be the next big Gymshark athlete, okay, cool. You send a direct message to someone like Gymshark saying, "I'll oh, take a look at my page. Like, I want to be an affiliate or I want to be sponsored." If Gymshark turned around to you that very fucking day and said, "Okay, here you go. Here's like a hundred grand contract. Like, show us what you've got. What mm. have you fucking got?" What have you got other than a fucking attractive face and a set of abs or an attractive face and a fucking good back backside? Like yeah. there has, I, for me, I think there has to, there's always going to be an element of, yeah, you, we're in that industry. We're in the industry of everybody wants to kind of look, look their best at their best all of the time. So I understand the appeal to have people come on board with your company that look a specific way. But at the end of the day, like, be original like think outside the box like do something different or if you can't do something different or if you don't have an understanding and you don't know what to do different just be fucking you just betray yeah. yourself i think that's I think where a lot of people go on, wrong on the following as well like they think that they've got to have a huge following in order to be like the next big thing but it's it's not important and no Noel did, uh, he backed that up actually, because he said, you know, when we take people on, we, we don't care if you've got a million followers. If you've got a thousand followers, we can give you followers by promoting mm. you. Yeah. Um, it's, it's more about who you are as a person, how you interact with your following, and are you, you know, are you active? Are you talking to people? Um, but most importantly, just don't be a dick. Like, ultimately. It's easier said than done in this industry, buddy. It's easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, well, like like Noel said, um, you, when when they do take on people who are potentially going to be the next Gymshark uh, sponsored athlete, they'll they will promote them or announce them for for a good six months. They'll get them going along to events and like going doing different things with with different team members and just seeing how they behave and seeing how they get on with everyone else and that's kind of our test of whether you're a dick or not because within six months we'll find out if you pass yeah, the some, yeah. they'll always get found out i think they'll, <laughs> they'll always come out they'll always come out of the woodwork 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, always. So you're saying that yeah, right now you're in the process of writing an ebook. Um, yeah. What else? What else is in the pipeline for for Chris Bailey? Because I think uh, you you're you're, doing, you're running courses as well, right? No, no, I'm not yet. Um, that's are you doing? I'm you was you were doing a, a not so much photography side of things, but for the for fitness industry and and like content side of things, you you like I see a lot of your stuff uh, promoting like um, how important yeah, like the import, the importance of your social media content and stuff. So are you, yeah, are you? I've my, my obviously I'm I'm most known for my my gym work working with physique athletes, um, <laughs> but. Um, like now, you know, the, the importance of social media for personal trainers, coaches, fitness influencers. I think everybody's realized you need to be putting out fresh content like every single day. Yeah. So my answer to that was this um, content amplifier service that I'm running. So it's okay. where uh, people come on board, work with me on a monthly basis. Um, we'll do stuff whether it's in the gym or whether it's covering nutrition or like more importantly than anything, I think these days is lifestyle and just showing people your character. So we're, we're switching it up every month and we're, we're just building like a huge bank of imagery for, for coaches, PTs, whoever to put out on a daily basis alongside their message of what they want to talk about. Um, and just adding a lot of value to to their their following um so that's working really well um i've got a real good group of people on board who i'm working mm -hmm. with now and um we're uh, we well we were on a flyer and you know everyone was doing really well and now we've just hit this speed bump fucking covid19 speed bump that everyone's yeah. fucking hit at the moment on pause with that but um i'm still there for support you know part of this whole program is i'm providing ideas on what to post every day i'm keeping everybody accountable to make sure that they're keeping on top of the social media and um i'm here for support in terms of um all you know how third party apps that help with all of this sort of stuff yeah but it's it's been a really successful program and um, getting a lot of interest on it. Uh, yeah, so. I think the importance of so, like, well, the importance of social media right now in the fitness industry is fucking massive. Obviously, because everyone's been forced. If you yeah. were a one-to-one -one coach, you've been forced to take your business online now. So, I think yeah. it gives it will give people an insight into what it actually takes to to kind of be a successful online coach. And I think I think as well that it, a lot of coaches will probably benefit from it because it will force them to think outside the box. Whereas before they would have potentially been comfortable with where they're at or where their business was at, or even their, their coaching standards, where their coaching standards were at. But now obviously that there are no gyms, like that's been taken out of the equation. So people have to think outside the box. They have to, and it will make people better coaches and it will make people, I probably would assume it will make people, I hope that it will make people better on social media platforms. Although I see a lot of the time that people just mimic and copy and there is a lot of that going on. It's funny enough. I had, uh, I had Marsha Coles, you know, Marsha. Yeah. Yeah. I had her on the podcast last week and oh, we were really? talking a lot. Yeah. We were talking a lot about content creation because obviously she, she does it for a living now, right? She's a, she's a graphic designer. And I, some of her I, stuff is I, fucking I amazing. Everybody. Yeah. I direct everybody to Marsha's page just because the value that she's given away in terms of like, um, how to conduct yourself online. Um, yeah. 
oh, it's crazy. And like, that's, I think that's like the main message that we kind of got out of that, that podcast was that, yeah, it doesn't really matter about your social media following. If you're doing it for a, from a business perspective, especially in the fitness industry, it's what can you fucking give the person that's, that's watching you, like mm. give away free content, but not only that, give away valuable content. It just yeah. so happens that she and the likes of yourself as well, you can give it that, that kind of cherry on top. You can give it that aesthetically pleasing look, which will draw people in even more. But the value has to be there in the first place. That, that just builds your authority. If you're putting out high quality, high quality content, it doesn't matter your position in the industry or how long you've been around there for. Because if people are looking at your profile and they see that you're putting out good advice with high quality imagery, um, and you're you're actually selling yourself, you're selling your personality. Um, yeah, definitely. People are always going to turn to you as an authoritative figure if you're telling people like you know just giving away little tips and tricks online which work for people then those people are always going to come back to you based on the fact that you've helped them out before yeah it just it just helps it helps when you have that kind of aesthetically pleasing uh like shine to your content I guess. yeah exactly exactly <clears throat> um so what's next for you obviously after all of this covid19 corona hype has almost kind of died down like where where, where where do you plan to what do you plan to do after all of this like where's your first trip gonna be i don't this is the thing like even after we've got the green light i don't i don't know how strict they're gonna be in terms of um traveling like how's that gonna be handled mm. so i mean i had quite a lot of trips lined up which they weren't all majorly important. Um, so it, it's not the end of the world that I have to cancel them or postpone them. But um, obviously the, the Olympia is going to be the big one in September. And is that going to be on or isn't it? You know, is there going to be enough? They were, <clears throat> I think they were, they were talking a lot about how it would be invite. They would just put out invites. Yeah. Um, but whether or not that goes ahead, like who... Like who knows? Nobody really knows, I guess, and that's what thing. One of the things it's it's so up in the air, but it's kind of tough if you're an athlete and you've like, you know, even I, I watch like Ryan Ryan Terry watching him, like mm. just he's just cracking on. Like it's you know you've got to in your mind you've just got to think well yeah it's still going ahead and that's the goal and I need to carry on working as I would be. Yeah. So um, hopefully it'll go ahead. That's September, and then October um, would be uh, this. Uh, what's it called? Athleticon, which is the okay. rock yep. new show. Yeah, yep. that'd be cool. If yeah, that goes ahead, that'd be fucking cool. Where's yeah. that then? Whereabouts is that? That's in Atlanta. Nice. So, um, yeah, it'd be good to get out for that, um, and we'll just see where we're at, but. Obviously, I'm going to have everybody that I was supposed to be shooting over the next two months. They're going to be, I think I've only had one cancellation. Everybody else is rescheduling. So it's going to be a massive influx of like doors are open, right? Book, 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 book. And I think it's going to yeah. be chaos. Um, uh, it will be, but it will nice, it'll be nice to get back to it, I think. It'll be nice, it'll yeah. be nice to get. I think it's putting everything in place now. So you're ready for that. 
Um, so it's like all these little jobs that <clears throat> I've said to myself, oh, I need to do that. I want to get a bit more time. I need to do that. And that's mm. all the stuff I'm doing now. Yeah. So I've got, I've definitely got another month to six weeks, weeks worth of jobs to be doing here. So I'm not concerned with any of that. Mm. I'm actually quite enjoying it. Yeah, actually, I listened to a podcast the other day and there was a guy on there. I can't remember what what his name was, but he was actually talking a lot about the whole coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic and quarantine and isolation and everything. And he was saying along the same sort of lines as conversations that we were having before the podcast started about how frustrating it can be for people and, and whatnot. But then he spoke with uh, one of his friends and one of his friends turned around to him and said, well, listen, like, now's the time that you're either going to make it's going to make you or it's going to break you like when you look back at this in like a year or two years time do you want do you want to look back and be like yeah i just sat on my ass and did fuck all and just fucking wait for shit to happen you're never gonna get this false time again no well this is the thing yeah it's a one in a lifetime opportunity well i say one like who knows we don't know that but right now it's a one in a lifetime opportunity for people to really kind of almost nail down and and put into perspective what you actually fucking want out of this life, I guess. And start yeah. start start put putting putting things in place. It it depends what you aspire to be, and you know your kind of discipline. There'll be a lot of people out there who are happy with their day to day job, and they're just going to be sat there like watching everything on Netflix, and mm. going to get bored very quickly. But for, for you know everyone else, you know, there's so many free courses online, like. YouTube's just such a valuable tool just to learn anything, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, it will force people into it as well if you've got that much time in your hands. Like, do something, do something you enjoy, or do something that kind of like floats your boat. And then if you end up making money from it, or if you can like monetize it, like it's yeah. a bonus. It's a fucking win win, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, uh, it, it's, it, it's got its ups and downs, but I think you're kind of in control of. Mm. get out of it so definitely you said uh you said at the beginning of the podcast like you said that you were kind of shy as a shy person i think when i first met you i didn't really know how how to take you obviously because for you you're just you and now i just see you as chris like i see you as as just who you are but obviously before meeting you you obviously make these uh, assumptions of what that person might be like before you meet them and when I first met you I was kind of like whoa this guy is like so chilled like the most chilled person probably one of the most chilled people I've ever met so humble so fucking yeah yeah it's just like it's just chilled and like this is why I say I've got this analogy of you like just chilling on a beach in LA almost just like just sitting there just like chilling almost maybe even smoking a joint or whatever just like chilling out and just so soaking up the atmosphere <laughs> um <laughs> if I, uh, I before i end this po- podcast i usually ask uh, everybody that comes on the the podcast itself is named chase greatness because i wanted to get people on here who not necessarily are at a certain level but are further advanced in whatever it is that they do so for you if if anybody's out there or if anyone's inspiring to whether it be like a fitness entrepreneur or a a fitness model or a creator or a photographer or a videographer like what if you could give them one tip to be like the best version of themselves or to get to a point where they can be known as being great at what they do what do you think that that tip would be um 
it's it's hard for me to 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 promote this because I don't really have a very very strict routine based on the fact that my environment changes on a weekly basis with the amount of traveling that I do um but that would probably one thing if I could go back five six years and implement more routine um I think it put me in a different position entirely but like you say with with me being so chilled I think that's it's 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 a, it's got its it's got its um, benefits, but it's it's got its downfalls as well. And I think it's great being chilled because you know you put that vibe out, and your clients feed off that, and it relaxes everybody. But at the same time, if you don't have routine, then you're just not going to get anything done either. Mm. Um, so I think just having having a set routine, you know, getting up in the morning, whatever you need to do um, to get your day started. And then time management through the day, setting yourself tasks, blocking out windows, and just knowing where you are. Um, just trying to implement a bit of, you know, self development every day, even if it's twenty minutes watching a tutorial on YouTube. Just do a little bit every day, just to improve yourself. Um, but I think I think you can bracket all that within routine. Um, yeah, definitely. I think so. I think for sure. Like that's the one thing, like obviously we spoke about it before, before I started the podcast, but getting or nailing down like a, a, as solid routine as what you possibly can, especially in the time that we're in at the moment is yeah. only going to serve you moving forward. Um, it's one of those things. It's, it's, it's kind of like the, like set, giving your, yourself tasks and those tasks yeah. to achieve. It's almost like it, it ticks certain like hormonal fucking releases in your brain whether it is like there are known studies to suggest that yeah, it's, it's when, when you do tick boxes mm. i think it's great and one of the uh, a good book that i read last year which was, uh, was atomic habits okay who's that by that... <laughs> <laughs> no one uh, of specific na- uh, name yeah. atomic what atomic habits what called? habits yeah so that's that's a really good book um and one of the things that they talk about in there is um habit stacking so you, okay. you kind of one way of getting things done and implementing them into your routine is by stacking habits so you, you'd stack good habits uh with bad habits so for instance what what do i like what's the what's the, what do i like in the morning uh but the first thing i like is coffee like i love coffee I've got a really good coffee machine. Um, so I get awesome fresh coffee every morning. That's what that's the first thing I look forward to when I'm waking up. But I know that I also need to stretch because I've got bad posture and I'm so tall. Um, and I know I need to get my vitamins and my fluids down. So you stack your habits. So you, you stack your coffee on top of your stretching and your fluids and your vitamins. So you only allow yourself to have coffee once you've got those other things done. It's almost like a reward. Yeah, it's like a a reward system. But the more you do it, the more um, it becomes a lifestyle thing then. So for me now, to get up in the morning, I kind of look forward to my fluids because I'll I'll have like my powdered greens first thing. Powdered greens with my vitamins, stretch, and then I know that I, I get my coffee as a reward. What green? What greens do you use? Because I've been like I've been taking greens now for the best part of around about a year, 
And I, I am still to find a brand that I will taste that I'll be like, yeah, I can drink this on a day-to-day basis. I made the mistake uh, two days ago, right? I had my greens powder and I fucking hate it. It's disgusting. Like I can't drink it by itself. So I was like, well, how can I make this taste better? So I put my greens in a, in a, in a blender and I put it in there with, uh, I, I put in two like balls of um, beetroot like cooked steamed beetroot in there as well. And I was like, right, how how can I get some sweetness in this? So I put an apple in it. I was like, I'll put an apple in there. So I put an apple in there. And I blended it up. And I tell you now, I was gagging. Every single mouthful that I took, (laughs) I fucking gagged. But I can't get, I can't get, I can't get uh, around it because even if I drink the greens powder by itself, I just, I can't drink it as a drink. I have to do it as a shot. And I have to, it's almost like this fucking sludge. And it, the only the only way that I can explain it is it's like I've just gone out into the back garden and dug up a fucking bit of soil and put it in a blender and fucking started drinking it with a bit of water. It's it's fucking disgusting. What what greens do you use? I uh, grazed. Okay, Pro- grazed. Project KD, but, um, oh yeah, okay. So I see uh, uh, Jamie uses that as well. Yeah, it's sponsored uh, by by. I don't. I mean, they don't taste bad at all. Like I I. I have the chocolate one, and it, it tastes really good to me. Ah, you see, maybe that's where I'm going wrong, because I literally I just buy the greens. Powder. I just buy the greens powder, and it just yeah, it literally just tastes like fucking ground-up dirt. Well, Chris, <laughs> might... Chris got um, uh, BCAs in it. Um, it's, it's just an all-around very good supplement. Um, so I take that along with vitamins, minerals, D, uh, vitamin D, uh, vitamin C, I've upped that recently because of all this, um, B12, and then um, I take, um, uh, I, I mix a scoop of cognition in there, that's CMP's Neurotropic. Yeah, um, okay. So that's kind of like my morning routine, I'll have that, all that, chuck all that down. Um, bit of a stretch, um, 10, 20 minutes stretching, and mm. then a bulletproof coffee and my bulletproof coffee usually gets me through up until well it's nearly one o'clock now so i've not eaten yet so i've kind of do you tend to do that do you fast a lot of the time yeah i try to fast up until 12 every day now Um, do you find that you uh do you find you work better when you're fasted um i don't know actually i've not really thought about it do you think that you're more cognitively alert I think so, but I think maybe that's more to do with the uh, cognition. I don't know. I've not really tested. I, I think, I think if if I'm here at the studio, uh, sorry, if if I'm here at the office or if I'm at the studio, yeah, it's fine. Like I can just get by. But if I'm traveling, I I find myself more inclined to eat earlier. Okay. So, but sometimes like today I've had, you know, I had a uh, bulletproof coffee about eight o'clock this morning and then I had one about 10 ish. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I had one about 10 ish. And and for, for those who are listening to this, who don't know what a bulletproof coffee is, a bulletproof coffee is basically a co- coffee mixed with uh, some form of fats, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's typically mixed with with butter or ghee or MCT oil. What what, I, what how how do you have it? I have uh, I have two shots of coffee, uh, a bit of water, um, a knob of butter, and uh, like a just a small tablespoon of MCT oil. 
yeah they blend it together um, yeah and when's so, your last when's your last meal of the day uh, i'm pretty bad on a night when if if i'm in like a if if i get settled down into some editing then, then that's when i struggle because i'll snack while i'm editing i uh, find i'm the opposite I find if I'm engaged in either a, like a video edit or like a photo edit or a bunch of photos that I'm editing or something, I find that my, my mind is so engrossed in what it is that I'm doing at that one time that I have to set alarms on my phone to make sure that I get food in. Otherwise, really? I, just won't, I, just, I just won't eat. I'll just be like, I'll look at my phone and it'll be like, I don't know, like 10, 11 a.m. And then I'll, I'll, my head will be in the computer and I'll look back and it'll be like fucking three three o'clock in the afternoon, I'll be like, where the fuck did that time just go? I'll be like, yeah, I think I need to eat now. <laughs> that's, that's my downfall, I think. Yeah, so it depends what time I, I, I carry on editing till, but um, yeah, like last night I was, I was up editing till midnight. I probably snacked until about 11. Really? Mm. That's not so, a bad thing though, I guess. It's not a bad thing, as long as you feel, as long as you feel like you, you have the, have the energy and you feel like you're alert and you feel like you're you're okay. I guess just go with it. I guess. Have you tried putting uh, so the vitamins and minerals that I take at the moment are one that I've added in, especially or two that I've added in, especially because of obviously what's going on at the moment is psyllium and zinc. Right. Yeah, there's renowned studies. Yeah, so zinc. Um, Tom mm. Billier was talking about zinc been very important right now but yeah it's one of these things like the whole coronavirus COVID-19 hype has got me almost to the point where I'm immersed in everything about it and I found myself I found myself at one point that it only really like kind of slowed down at the beginning of this week I just got I got so addicted and so it just occupied every part of my brain I was like I need to know about this virus I need to know everything. I need to know all about the conspiracy theories. I need to know about what it actually is, like what it does in my system, what are the things that I can take? Because this is the thing I was listening to, to other people. And especially when you're, you're on social media, like a lot of the people who I follow on social media are, are fitness related. And all of them at one, all of them, all of them at the same time were putting out posts saying about your immune system and how to boost your immune system. I'm like, that's yeah. cool, but like, what are some of the things that you can do to boost your immune system other than just make sure that your diet is in check or because everyone knows about vitamin C and vitamin B, right? But what are the, what are the actual other things that you can start implementing to, to boost up your immune system? And that led me down a rabbit hole of like learning about the virus itself and what things kind of help. And it led me on to obviously vitamin C, vitamin B, vitamin D. Um, I take magnesium anyway. I take an iron supplement, and I also now have imp impl uh, implemented psyllium uh, and zinc. So, yeah, if you don't already take that, yeah, take that. Although psyllium tastes like shite, it it's yeah, I fucking hell. Like I opened the I opened the pot. It's just tablet form. I opened the pot. I'm like, what the fuck is that? It almost smells like chemical. And then you put it in your mouth and it just tastes like shit. So yeah, I, I do it uh, first thing in the morning before before I eat and then last thing at night before I uh, before I brush my teeth. But yeah, it doesn't taste great at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Anyway, buddy, I think I'm going to uh, wrap that up now. It's fucking awesome talking to you and I really appreciate you coming on and, and uh, giving, giving the people an insight into you and what it is that you do and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis, I guess. Um, I really appreciate it, man.
and uh, yeah, we should we should hook up again sometime, maybe in the future. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I do more of these these podcasts. I've been procrastinating over doing these podcasts for so long, and this is kind of like the kick up the ass that I've needed to do it. So yeah. now I've kind of lined up a load, load of people to come on. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your sharing your message with everyone, dude. Yeah, appreciate you having me. All right, mate. I'll speak to you soon.